We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever going to meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? But they convinced me that I was somehow internally flawed that I didn't understand. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen my quotes in the New York Times, then you know. This ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers, and welcome to another amazing episode of Dates and Mates. I had so much fun with you all last week, bringing you the F the Fairy Tale Challenge and connecting with so many of you and hearing your questions and seeing what was on your mind on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and also on our brand new, well, reinvented brand new YouTube channel at Dates and Mates. Actually, that is the perfect segue into our theme today. The word of the week today is reinvention. There are pivotal moments in our lives, little windows that open up for us to peer inside our hearts and ask, what do we truly want? And are we living in alignment with our goals and values? In the face of challenges and setbacks, which we all go through, we find our true strength through reinvention. It's a beacon of hope that says, you are not defined by your past, but by the potential of your future. To embrace reinvention is to become the authors of our own narratives, constantly evolving and adapting. It's the fuel for personal growth and transformation. And that is exactly what I was thinking of when I titled my book, which is coming out in January. I called it F the Fairy Tale, Rewrite the Dating Myths and Live Your Own Love Story. Because we can rewrite. We can recreate ourselves. We can shed our old skin and embrace the unfamiliar. So I want you to let that word reinvention inspire you to chase your dreams, break boundaries, and shatter limitations. Go for what you know in your heart is meant for you. If you're listening today on the precipice of a reinvention of your relationship future or any other aspect of your life, you are in exactly the right place right now. And my guest is the perfect person for you to hear from. Julia Hart is a fashion designer, entrepreneur, and the current CEO of World Group, a fashion talent management group. Julia actually started out her life in a very different place, though. She was raised in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, and she was married off to a man that she barely knew at a young age. And that marriage ruled her life for 23 years before she gained the courage to leave. You may have seen her story on the Netflix series, My Unorthodox Life, but now Julia is here with us today to talk about how she went from ultra-Orthodox long sleeves to designing lingerie and how you can find your voice and your power in a relationship. Please help me welcome her in with big smooches. It's Julia Hart. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. So nice to see you, Demona. I am so happy to have you here because we have so much to talk about. First of all, your show, My Unorthodox Life, fantastic. Ha Thank being you. someone who comes from a reality TV background, I was like, this is 
on its own, it's just a fantastic show. But you are so real and authentic. And you, I mean, the show opens with you talking to your kids, your daughter and your son-in-law about sex. Like, yeah. is there anything that's off limits for Julia Hart? Absolutely not. I am genuinely, I wrote a 400 and some odd page book. I am truly an open book. And I think that as a parent, you know, we want our children to know that they can always get the truth from us so that they don't go looking for it somewhere else. That is so true. I have a 13-year-old daughter, and we have very open conversations about everything. She actually, I tried on some of your shapewear, your your Plus Body by, by Julia Hart shapewear. Yeah. I tried it on, actually, <laughs> in front of her. I love it. Good She's for like, you. oh, mom, it's very sexy. Can you imagine the word sexy and shapewear in one sentence? Before Plus Body, well, that did not happen. Shapewear yeah. was granny panties. It was ugly and embarrassing. Women hate the fact that they wore it. To have the words shapewear and sexy in one sentence tells you everything you need to know about Plus Body. Yeah, it is. It is sexy. And I've said this on the show before, but I think that the way that you feel like when you are getting ready for the date, I talk a lot about mm -hmm. preparation for a date. And I've even told some of my clients before, like, put on a red pair of panties. Like, doesn't matter if he's going to see it at the end of the night or not. They're there for you so that you feel sexy underneath whatever you're wearing, right? <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty of it is that we need to feel good about ourselves. We need to feel confident. And I don't think that there's, you know, there's all these articles about what, attracts people to one another is confidence, is a sense mm -hmm. of you're getting to see the real person, they're real, they're, you know, honest with who they are. And what is more confidence inducing than feeling beautiful in your own body and feeling great about the way you look? Yeah, totally. And I do hear from a lot of people also that, you know, there's, there's all different types of bodies that are attractive to all different types of people. And it really, it, it honestly, it hurts when I hear from listeners that they feel like, oh, I got to lose 10 pounds to feel sexy or I, yeah, it drives you know, me crazy. I, I've got to, uh, uh, uh. I've, I, I can't meet someone, you know, if I'm looking like this or dressed like this. And I, I love that you're, you know, in all of your work and all your brands are really about empowering people, but, you know, specifically women to feel, to feel confident in their own bodies, whatever it looks like. Yeah, you know? that's it. Exactly. First of all, I love you. I couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. You totally get exactly the, the vision and the image. And that is what it's about. It's about freeing women from all these insecurities that the universe loves to dump in our laps. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Julia, that you're coming to this place now yes. knowing where you started out. So for those who haven't seen My Unorthodox Life or haven't read your book, Brazen, you, you lived in an ultra-Orthodox community for the majority of your life. And, you know, I, I know a little bit. I, I grew up reformed. In you know I'm I'm half Jewish I know oh can't tell, good can't tell hello member of the tribe <laughs> <laughs> member of the tribe but but I it's I'm glad that you said that because they're very different tribes oh yes and and I'm even learning more about the ultra orthodox community I have coached clients who 
are uh, modern Orthodox, which um, completely different. Still, <laughs> completely it's different, but different. it's still very different than the way that I grew up. And in you've said on the show and in your book, in the Orthodox community, your job as a woman is to be invisible, to not attract attention, which is very different from the way that I coach daters and the and very different from your message now. Can you talk a little bit about your background and your your religious background and how you came to this shift in confidence around your body? So, you know, my entire life, so I think this, the, the simplest way to kind of encapsulate what I lived through there is is with three laws okay law number one is when a man from the time he's old enough to speak two and a half three years old until the day he dies when he wakes up in the morning he says a set of prayers the third prayer that he says is which means thank you god for not making me a woman i heard my son saying that every day and my husband and my father and everyone else because a woman was an inferior being now, law number two, women aren't allowed to study the Talmud or become rabbis or, and they're not required to go to synagogue or learn Gemara or a woman's greatness is always through a man. She in her own right cannot be great. How does a woman become great in my world? What does a righteous woman look like? What is a woman of valor? She's the one who plows the fields and cooks the food and has the baby while her husband sits at the gates and studies with the scholars. And then there's this concept of Nashim Dites and Kalos, which is that we weren't allowed to study the Talmud or, or become rabbis. I had an entire bookshelves of books that I wasn't allowed to read. And the last part, of course, is the most, I mean, they're all pretty egregious. And that is that there is this concept that women are responsible for men's sins. So a woman can't sing in public or dance in public or speak in public or in any way be forward-facing because a man may look at her and have sexual thoughts about her and that's on her, not on him. Mm. So I grew up being taught that man's behavior is my responsibility and that the only way to prevent a man from sinning is to disappear myself and the only way to become a good person is to prevent a man from sinning. So this whole idea that women have to disappear themselves to hide their bodies so that men don't sin is, I mean, obviously abysmal, right? So my entire life, I was told that I had to hide my body because my body is an instrument of sin. Wow. That is, that's a lot for anyone to carry, but especially when you're so young too, and when you're just forming your your That's thoughts right. and your beliefs and your understanding of the world. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who may not have grown up in an Orthodox um, community, household, but I think there's a lot of women who can relate to what you just said. How did you come to this realization after growing up in that world to come to a place of of body positivity and empowerment and, you know, and even even like being in the fashion industry where, I mean, the goal of fashion, kind of, I mean, it's feel good about yourself, but it's also to look good externally. And you came from a background where you were covering yourself every day. That's why the book is called 
um, brazen from long sleeves to lingerie because it is yeah. really kind of funny. Most of my life I'm covered head to toe. The only parts of my body that are uncovered are my face and my hands, right? My hair is covered. I have to wear above my collarbone, um, nothing above my elbow. So it has to be covering my elbow, below my knees, above my ankles, and the space between your knees and ankles, which is kind of a gray area. My my version of Judaism, I wore two layers. I first wore stockings and then socks on top. God forbid a piece of leg would show the stocking would tear. Okay. So my entire body covered head to toe except for my hands and my face. And then I become the creative director of the world's largest lingerie brand. I mean, it is kind of funny. But I mean, think about it like, you know, yeah. but if you, you know, my entire life, basically, there was this dichotomy between who I was told I had to be. And who I was told I am as a person mean, you're dumber than a man. You're incapable of understanding and grasping deep and esoteric subjects. Your only purpose in life is to have children and be subservient, obedient, and silent. And you can't work. You can't have your own career. People work in the community, right? They do OT or PT or high school teachers or nannies or nurses. There's no careers, right? Because yeah. you can't go to a Stanford or a Columbia. You're going to babysit kids or you're going to be a teacher or you're going to do one of the OTPT things that you could do within the community. So women work inside the community, and I would say 99.999% of the time, there are no CEOs, there are no doctors and lawyers. Now, of course, there's always exceptions to that rule, but it's one in millions, okay? Um, and now, of course, when I first came out and said that, you know, people said, oh, she's exaggerating about that community. And now in the last year, as you've seen, there's been a dozen articles about what's really going on in my high school. And one of my friends sent me a letter that she received in 2020. So now we're talking 30 years after I graduated, where they say, if your daughter's going into college, she's divorcing herself from Judaism and from the community, and you have to write a letter that she's not going to college and all this stuff. So the reality is women are forced into this role. Your biology defines your destiny. And I had this constant fight in my mind between who I know I am as an individual. I'm not dumber than men, incredibly hardworking. I have quick study. I love learning. I'm an intellectual. I've read so many books. I mean, you you name it, Euripides, Voltaire, Descartes, Spinoza, Cicero, I have read it. So I was being told that I was stupider, but I certainly didn't feel so. I was being told that my only path to goodness was through a man. and But it just didn't make sense to me. But they convinced me that I was somehow internally flawed, that I didn't understand this. But when my daughter, who was five, asked to play soccer, and my husband told my five-year-old that she can't play because, of course, you can't wear pants, which means you have to play soccer in a skirt. And if you play soccer in a skirt, you may kick the ball, and your the skirt will go up, and your knees will show, and a man walking by the field may see you and have inappropriate thoughts. Therefore, you can't play soccer. And let's not even talk about what kind of man gets turned on by a five-year-old's knees. <laughs> just leave that alone for a minute. Right. Uh, just like, yeah. let's not even talk yeah. about that. My little five-year-old daughter looks at my husband and says, hmm, okay. Well, if I'm responsible for his actions, is he responsible for mine? My five-year-old. And when she uttered those words, it was like this giant handcuff in my mind was released because they had convinced me I was somehow internally flawed, that I wasn't okay with this. 
No one can convince me that my five-year-old, who I had never voiced these thoughts to ever, that my five-year-old's thinking was somehow flawed. And so hearing her say these very simple, practical, logical words gave me permission to say, it's not me, it's the loss. It's that community. And just as you said, Damona, this is a very small group of people within the Orthodox Jewish world. Most people do not live like I do. This has nothing to do with Judaism. And if you look at the rules that surround my life and the rules that surround women in fundamentalist Islam and Mennonites and any kind of extremist version of something, the rules are all the same. That women don't have a voice. So it has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with fundamentalism, with using religion as an excuse to imprison women and keep them down. Wow, that is very powerful. I want to dig a little deeper, but first we need to take a quick break. Lovers, let me remind you of two things beforehand. Our reinvented, new and improved live coaching program. See what I did there? Reinvented. Eh? The Dates and Mates Method is enrolling now. And our live interactive group classes start on Wednesday, September 27th. And I don't want you to miss out. I'll be straight with you all. I am only able to offer my group coaching program twice a year. And this is the last session this year. And actually, it might be your last chance for you to enroll in a group until next fall after my book is released. So listen up. If you are considering dating coaching, but you're not sure if the program is right for you, or if you need some immediate guidance on your current dating situation, we have opened up a handful of free mini coaching sessions in advance of the program with my head of coaching, Yogi Marquis. If you're interested, you got to go to demonahoffman.com slash session to see if he still has any availability. And I promise you, we had over 200 people register for the live challenge last week, and they've snapped up a lot of the spots. So don't wait on this. If you are considering working with me and my team, or you're just feeling stuck and frustrated and you're like, I need a kickstart, I need to do something, the thing that you should do is go to demonahoffman.com slash session to claim your free session and see how the Dates and Mates team and method could help you find your ideal relationship and also maybe your reinvented self. More on that later. And of course, as we are doing every single episode this season, I want you to stick around to the end of the episode for the love lesson of the week, which actually this week comes with a personal story from me too. Stay with me. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thank you, lovers, for supporting our sponsors and Dates and Mates. Now, Julia, before the break, you were talking about your experience growing up in the Orthodox Jewish community and how little control you had over your own life. And, like, it, it seems like you've taken all of those experiences and used them to fuel you into this new this new era no, of your life? I just don't take freedom for granted. And so I think when mm -hmm. I left, and it is time travel. It is genuine time travel. I lived in the 1800s. I was not equipped to handle the 21st century, which is why most people who leave my community, especially women, 
end up either committing suicide or becoming drug addicts. It's a real problem because they really are not equipped to handle the 21st century. They've never been on a date. They've never been to a bar or a club. They don't have the societal norms. They don't understand how to function within those societal norms. It's it's truly time travel. I remember the first time when I left, the night, the day that I left, I felt like I was going into Mars. I was walking into a planet that I did not recognize. And it's really frightening. And it's it's almost impossible. So you know, I don't take freedom for granted. And once I managed to escape and do that, I said to myself, well, if I can time travel, I can do anything. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you need those experiences to really give you the perspective. I'm really curious how dating was for you after you divorced your first husband, not having like so much of attraction and communication techniques and all the stuff that I teach on the show, so much of it is learned by watching and by being in situations, right? Yeah. And in high school, like your first love is generally like in high school, you know, you figure this stuff out. Like I remember, so I'll, I'll answer your question. Dating, what I never dated. This is the first time in my life I'm 52 years old I'm dating because when I first left the community, Okay, just, I don't want to say it very, you know, directly, but just say it was freedom in every direction, right? So I wanted to experience sexual freedom as well. So I would say the first nine months, it was not, to, it was just freeing myself and, 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 you know, kind of, um, well, let's just say the first person I went out with was a 21-year-old Cirque du Soleil acrobat, and then you can imagine the rest. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so the, wild. The first, <laughs> yeah. So for the first, like, nine months, it was more about, like, self-discovery than dating. I didn't yeah. really date, right? Yeah, because sex before wasn't really for your pleasure. It was for your husband and procreation. <laughs> no, not at all. Sex is terrible. It was, like, laundry, dentist, homework with the kids, sex, like this, just like another chore I had to do that was about as pleasant as going to the dentist. I mean, it was awful. And then when I first came out and I was like, oh, so that's why people like sex, right? So I would say the first nine months was just an exploration. I wasn't dating. And then I met a guy who became my boyfriend for six months. And then right after him, I met my husband. So the first time in my life that I'm actually purposefully and systematically dating, I'm 52 years old. This is the first time in my life I'm dating. What have you been discovering? And oh, we gosh. should catch everyone up. You Since the show, you and your husband split up. And so now you are single again and ready to mingle. How is it different for you now? And at 52, what are you learning so it has been incredibly empowering you're gonna laugh now you're ready for this okay i'm so ready so when i left the community and i started my business and then you know ewg and everything i've done i never wrote a book but i got a bestseller i never started a show but it became a successful show i never ran a company but i built into a billion dollar business right just because i'd never done something i put my heart and soul in it i'm a crazy hard worker and I accomplished on the business side. 
What I realized with this divorce is that as far as I'd come here, when it comes to me as a businesswoman, in my personal life, I was still back in Muncie. I was still, please the man, forgive him 900 times, ignore the signals, the man is always right, it's your job to make him happy. And that's how my marriage was, right? I mean, I asked for divorce, I think April 2020, and it took me till February to file, a fe a two years later to file for it, because he would say, I'm sorry, and it's gonna get better, and I'm gonna be better, and I'm gonna be nicer to your kids. And like an idiot, I just kept on letting it happen. So when the divorce started, I realized, wow, as far as I've come in business, I am still one C girl in my personal life, and I have to stop that. So dating has become this incredibly beautiful, empowering experience in the sense that I go on these apps for the first time in my life, okay? And I'll give you an example. So I'm on Raya, and you know on Raya, if you do like Raya Plus, the woman can see if the guy liked her before she likes or dislikes, before she does the check or the X. So I'm on Raya and I'm swiping through my feed of who, you know, has been put in front of me. And there's a guy and I see him and I'm like, mm, not for me. And then I look up and I realize that he liked me. And my natural instinct was, oh, well, if he liked me, that means I have to like him back. And I was about to hit yes. And then I stopped myself and I said, no, Julia. His wanting to date you is irrelevant to whether or not you want to date him. It's not that now that he wants to date you, you now have to date him. That's not how it works. You didn't want to go out with him until you saw he liked you. You say no. And when I crossed that X, I felt so strong because I realized this is probably like a very important moment for me that a man said something and I was like, mm, no, thank you. So that was very empowering for me. It sounds dumb, but it was really empowering. <laughs> okay, I just have to say, I'm a dating coach butting in here, Julia, because, you know, you say it sounds dumb and you said, you know, you were an idiot for not being able to, to divorce for six months. And like... Two years. Oh, oh for two years. Oh, my gosh. You, yeah, you said you're an idiot for not being able to divorce for two years. And what I hear is that, like you said, there's some of that old programming that's still present. That's not your voice even saying that. That's right. But that's the thing. I, I thought I had eradicated that conditioning. I thought I had eradicated all of that brainwashing. And I fooled myself into saying I had eradicated it, but this taught me that as much as I had eradicated in business, I hadn't in my personal life. And this past yes. year of dating, I catch myself. Yeah. But now at least I catch myself and I say, no, thank you. Yeah. And it feels empowering, right? It feels good. <laughs> yes. Yes. To be able to really know what your standard is and to be able to hold to that and you know, even though folks listening may not have been through the exact situation, I think we all have some of that old programming. And I really, yeah, we all have it. And I really feel like you break through that stuff. You get to the transformation through action. You know, we could talk about it. You're doing it in business and you're talking about it on the show. And you're, but when you actually 
take that action to say, no, I'm not going to stand for that. No, I'm not going to make excuses for that. This is what my time is worth and as, as a human. This is actually Jeff Jenkins, my producer, told me this philosophy once, and I think he's 100% right. So I want to, I want to give him the credit. He said, Julia, people are divided between gardeners and flowers. Gardeners are the people who take care. They nurture, they feed, they support, they help. Flowers are the give me, give me, give me everything. Give me sun, give me food, give me this. Flowers do not garden. They are flowers, right? So I'm always going to be a gardener. I'm a gardener. I take care of people. That's what I do. I'm the eldest child of eight. My siblings are 10 years. My, my sibling that's next to me, like the one after me, is 10 years younger than me. And then my youngest brother is younger than my eldest daughter, right? So I raised my seven siblings. I raised my children. I have 11 human beings that I have raised. I'm a mom. I'm always going to be a gardener. But I have always dated and fallen for flowers. And I'm done following for followers. I would like someone who gardens some of the time and doesn't just say, give me, give me, give me. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me, Julia. You can follow Julia on Instagram at Julia Hart, and that's J-U-L-I-A-H-A-A-R-T. That's with two A's. And learn more about her sexy shapewear. I'm telling you, y'all, I, I was feeling myself when I, when I did my little try-on. I cannot wait to wear my sexy shapewear out on the town. You can visit Body by Julia Hart. Remember, it's two A's, H A A R T dot com, Body by Julia Hart dot com. And you can get yourself some sexy shapewear too. All of the links will be in the show notes. And now for your love lesson of the week. Your love lesson is to step into reinvention with both feet. You can't have a half assed reinvent. Okay. Like my guest today, sometimes you just have to go for it, even though it might be scary, even though it might be so completely different than the life you are living right now. We have to take bold action to make brilliant shifts in our lives. I actually remember the exact moment I decided to dedicate my life to this work of dating coaching. I was sitting on the floor of my living room watching an episode of Oprah's Life Class absolutely bawling because something Oprah had said made me realize that I had been going through the motions of my life. I had done everything by the book. I had gotten my VP title. I had had a child. I was married to a wonderful man. And still, I knew deep down I wasn't doing the right thing. And I knew something else was meant for me. So I went into my boss's office the next day and I gave notice. And I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if anyone would hire me as a dating coach or listen to my podcast, but I knew I had to take bold action. I knew I had to step into my destiny. And I knew I was the only person that was in charge of how my life was going to go from that point forward. So if there's a call that you've been waiting to make or a person that you've been waiting to talk to or a transformation that you've been dreaming about, what are you waiting for? And if that bold transformation begins by making your dating life a priority, please let me and my team help you. We are enrolling now in the Dates and Mates Method live group coaching program. So for anyone who feels ready to begin their process of transformation, we actually have a limited number of free mini coaching sessions available. This is like 
a one-time thing, y'all. But I really want to help out. I really want to get you some immediate advice and get you some immediate strategies to shift your dating destiny. Go to DemonaHoffman.com slash session to grab your time with my head of VIP coaching, Yogi Marquise, if they're still available, so he can hear more about your dating journey and see if we can help you transform and move towards that relationship that you're imagining. And if you know you're ready to make the leap and you know you need support on your dating journey and you know you want me to be the one to guide you on this journey, let's let's just let's get on with it. Go right to demonahoffman.com slash program and you can get the lowest rates available now on our signature group coaching program, the last one of the year. The links to both will be in the show notes. I hope you loved episode 474 of Dates and Mates as much as I loved bringing it to you. But if you love something, you got to share it. (laughs) Help us get the word out. Maybe even leave us a five-star review and tell us what you're enjoying about the all-new season. Many of you have DM'd me and emailed me saying that you love the new format, you love the new segments. Tell me what you love about Dates and Mates when you leave us a review. We will be back again next Tuesday with our second all-dear Demona of the season. And we also have a special guest who will be joining us, one of my former clients, Sue, who will be sharing her story. So send your questions in. The DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can leave me a voicemail or text by phone at 424-246-6255. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.